I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. This episode is going to be different from normal because we have three main reviews that we're going to do. We're, so we're bypassing for the next couple episodes, actually, the weekend review segment we normally have and film faves. We'll be putting off until the year-end episode. This episode, we'll be reviewing three movies for you. Belfast, Encanto from Disney, and House of Gucci. Each of those will have a section where we talk about the good, what works about a movie, what we thought the strengths of a film were, and then the bad, what we thought sucked about a movie, what were its flaws or weaknesses. Then we weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad and talk spoilers and final thoughts. So we will go through the, those processes with each film independently. If you haven't seen one of these films, you want to skip spoilers, go ahead and take a look at the show notes to when the next review starts and skip ahead to that but we're going to first start off with our review of belfast we all have a story to tell but what makes each one different is not how the story ends but rather the place where it begins God. Mama says if we went across the water, they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. Hey, buddy! Your mom's calling you yes. We're looking to cleanse the community a wee bit. You wouldn't want to be the old man out in the street. Touch my family and I'll kill you. Belfast. We'll fight this together. This is it. This is what? This is war. We're living in a civil war. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. Kids the same age as ours are getting killed. We can give these boys a better chance than we ever had. from the trailer to Belfast. According to IMDb, Belfast is about a young boy and his working class family experiencing the tumultuous late 60s in, of course, Belfast, which is an Irish city. As I understand it, it stars Jude Hill, who is a newcomer, Jamie Dornan, K. 
Katriona Balf, Judy Dench, and uh, I think it's pronounced Kieran Hines. This film is also directed by Kenneth Branagh. All right, Shanna, you were looking forward to seeing this movie once we saw the trailer. I was a little bit more intrigued after seeing the trailer myself. This is different territory. I, I don't know if you've seen every Kevin Kenneth Branagh-directed film, but I do believe this is different territory for him. You know, he's most famous for doing Shakespeare films. He even did Thor 10 years ago now. He did the first Thor film. I don't think he's necessarily known for doing family dramas, more or less. So... What were your general thoughts of Belfast? If you had any thoughts ahead of time, feel free to share. And what was good about this film? I was really hoping that the black and white was going to be done properly and effectively. I cannot stand when you have a modern day film in black and white and it doesn't honor the traditions of black and white uh, i'm not saying that you have to that's the only way you can have black and white but you should honor the traditions and then veer away from it if you're going to do that black but, and white to me encapsulates strong contrast most of the time with some light diffusion here and there so soft light as opposed to sharp white highlights and then dark shadows it also needs to you know you're shooting if you're shooting in black and white you you don't have color to necessarily separate backgrounds and create that middle fore and background setting so you need to be able to create you know have set sets that have a rich or varied textures you need to have different lighting happening. You need to choose clothing, uh, well, costuming, and uh, makeup very carefully so that it's not this bland thing. I felt that, uh, what is that movie? So you've got Citizen Kane. What's the one that was about the person who wrote that? Oh, Mank. Mank. I did not like how they did black and white in there. I felt like there was not enough contrast moments, high contrast moments or high texture different moments. And so I'm using this word contrast a lot. It's contrast in any fashion, whether it's between textures, between lighting, uh, costuming, makeup, whatever. I'm not saying it needs to look like a big production. It mm -hmm. just, there needs to be contrasting things. It's so. worth noting really quickly here who the cinematographer was for right. this film. His name is Harris Zambarlikos, and he's actually done a lot of work with Kenneth Branagh on Kenneth Branagh's more recent films. Artemis Fowl, Murder on the Orient Express, hmm. Cinderella, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, and Thor even. Uh, not a whole lot of films prior to that through the 2000s. Um, so it's interesting. He's had a partnership with Kenneth Branagh, but this is a very different film from those films. You saw Murder on the Orient Express. You can speak to that better than yeah, I could. Yeah, that cinematography appealed to me. That was fine. 
So that's what I was concerned about, and they hit it out the park. So good job. Mm. Uh, there was definitely a lot of different framing techniques, contrasts of different elements, and I I loved the black and white. Yeah, I I loved the performances. I loved the story. I cried a lot in this film because I related so much to different beats that were happening in the film, and I feel like that's just because that's where I am in my life. But also. Jude Hill is amazing. I think what I forget about whenever there's turmoil that I learn about that didn't involve me later is I forget that there were children during that turmoil, you mm. know? So we see that in Jojo Rabbit. There's mm-hmm. a boy growing up in World War II and he's part of the, the Nazi camp day or whatever it's called. And in this case... Youth, youth, youth camp. Youth, yeah. yeah, sorry. And... In this case, we have this boy who's growing up in Belfast during the 60s where there's definitely what I could gather prejudice between religions. Yeah, Protestant and Catholic. Yeah, Yeah. which I find interesting. Was there nothing else to fight about? (laughs) You know, like we're going to... I don't know what the history is. So I'm just... I'm a nanny and I'm a mother figure and I just... Is that what we're going to fight about? Okay. So it was very interesting to see it from his perspective. He's trying to sit next to a girl he really likes. He's trying to get long division right. And his his family unit is so precious. The dad goes away for work weeks at a time and then comes and visits every other weekend or mm, whatever. Yeah. And their relationship with their father is pretty good, but it's just... They're separated, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, because of work. And then his parents, the grandparents, are there, the paternal grandparents. Right, Judy Dench and Kieran Hines. And they are fabulous grandparents and fabulous performances, and it's just Mm -hmm. lovely. I loved every second the two of them were on screen, especially if they were interacting with each other. And so Grandpa is there to help Buddy, and Grandma is there to kind of, you know, observe You see her, there's this particular shot where she's sitting inside the house, but at the window and the the other two, Buddy and Grandpa, are sitting outside the house. And Mm. there's this lovely camera work where everything's in focus and it's just beautiful. Very well framed, yes. Yeah, and they're talking about, um, I think they were talking about girls and they talk about long division when they're inside the house. And the Grandpa is such a Grandpa. He's such a... Well, if you write the numbers like this and like this, the teacher won't really know. Right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So you've got a bigger chance of getting the the math problem correct. So I just thought that that was hilarious. There's mm-hmm. lots and lots of hilarious moments in here with going to church and figuring out, am I a good person or a bad person? And it's just hilarious how everything gets delivered. And I love seeing it through Buddy's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the the big thing about this period apparently in Ireland is there's a lot of prejudice prejudice and conflict between Catholics and Protestants. And if I remember correctly, or I have this down correctly, I understand correctly, the Protestants, there's groups of Protestants who are trying to kick the Catholics out of their neighborhoods and, and do so uh, violently. And not everyone who is Protestant is has issues with Catholics, but it seems like a younger generation or what have you seems to be 
like the young adults seem to be really kind of spearheading this this conflict so i pretty much agree with you on every point i think firstly this film has gorgeous cinematography it starts out in color it does this interesting framing device of belfast contemporary belfast and cuts to black and white to belfast of the past and tells this story primarily through buddy's perspective buddy played by jude jude hall who apparently is a newcomer this is it says introducing jude hall and i do agree he is great i think he is adorable he's charismatic and he's also not perfect like he actually this is one of the few times where I actually see a child act like a child and have all the nuances of a child of being, you know, enjoyable and fun to be around and very sweet and very naive. But also, like, if he hears something he doesn't like, he throws a fit. Like most liked, kids we know. I liked how he did it. Mm. I thought it was very... It didn't feel like this big dramatic acting moment. It felt like, yeah, no, that's pretty accurate. With no, the little absolutely. movements all the way down to the toes. This is a compliment I'm giving. Oh, and, okay, I gotcha. Uh, I thought that was really great. And, you know, you didn't see this movie, but in contrast, he's not like the kid in the Babadook, who I thought was an absolute nightmare and I, I hated, who, who throws wild, crazy-ass tantrums. This was, you know, very whiny, kind of, I don't, uh, you know, af- afraid of things changing kind of thing. And, all, uh, you know, something that's very relatable where they don't want to, uh, maybe a kid doesn't want to leave his friends or whatever it is. Point being, Jude Hill did a, a great job, as did uh, Jamie, Nor- uh, Jamie Dornan, but most especially... Katriona Balf, someone I'm mm. not very familiar with. I was just looking at what this person has done before. Not only was she in Now You See Me, which you saw, I did not, but she was in Ford versus Ferrari, mm. and she's been in Outlander. I don't know if she's the star of Outlander because I've never seen that show. Oh, for heaven's sakes, yeah. She is, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she is. Okay, very good. Uh, and she's also starred in the Netflix revival of The Dark Crystal. Hmm. She is great. She is a, now that I realize who she is, she's amazing. She's fantastic. And I loved how she played the mother and how she played the wife. Yes. I heart Kieran Hines and Judy Dench. they are goals (laughs) they are independently and together just absolutely wonderful and so endearing and they add so much humanity and heart and relatability there's there's they help make these characters feel like real people like this family feel like real people the way that you know their performances in this film and I, I i love them and i don't know if i've ever loved kieran hines in anything as much as i do in uh him in this film yeah so this is a, a beautiful film and i found it quite moving and quite special and one of the year's best films and 
you know, it really prompted me to want to go back to the films that came out in the beginning of the year mm. and to be able to compare and weigh because this is this is definitely up there. Were, was there anything, though, Shanna, that you had issues with watching the film? Any flaws? Uh, what sort of weaknesses did this film have? Or was it a perfect film? I think I think it was close to perfect. I honestly can't think of anything that I didn't like. I love that you know there's no spoilers here. I loved even the messaging that they had in the end. They had said this film is for those who left Belfast, for those oh. who couldn't leave, mm-hmm. well, well those who stayed, yeah. and for all those we lost. And that includes a gamut. That includes if the person joined a gang and they they died. Um, a death by the gang member like it it just this film was clearly made with so much love and well intention so i give it a nine out of ten i i can't it's been a few days since we watched it unfortunately but i can't remember really having any serious issues with it i i i don't think it's a perfect film i don't think it's one of the best films ever made or anything on that stature but i do think it's something pretty special it's something that kind of came out of nowhere i didn't really expect it to be this good and this lovely and this beautiful i mean look look, kenneth branagh this is not typical kenneth branagh fair in terms of like what he directs this is very unusual for him really especially in recent years. So I think that this is something that is a highlight for him as I don't think while all his older stuff is very different, I don't think he's directed anything nearly this good since his Shakespeare stuff. If not even that, you know, I think this might be the best thing he's ever directed. I think he needs to keep going in this direction. Yeah. It's, it's, Something that's quiet, it's intimate, it's it's lovely. It's a lovely film. So I give it an 8 out of 10. Do we even need to go into spoilers for Belfast? Was there anything that you wanted to talk about, spoilery, in more detail? I, no, I don't think that this film is really... I mean, it's a family with grandparents, right? So I don't think that anything is really spoilery here. I I think people should go watch it. I think... There's it's, nothing that you want to discuss in further detail is what you're saying. Well, maybe if I was like didn't like if I didn't like the way something was done, maybe, but I I liked how all of this film was done, so no. Okay. Well then we'll skip the spoiler section for uh Belfast. Uh what are your thoughts on Belfast? Have you seen the film? Let us know. Email us about this film and the next two at the Gibson Review at gmail.com. Okay. Next, Disney came out with a film, Encanto.
Delivery! I gave you the special since you're the only Madrigal kid with no gift. I call it the not special special since, uh, you have no gift. Uh, thanks? I am just as special as the rest of my family. Who wants more pink? All right, guys, where do I drop the wagon? Maybe your gift is being in denial. Encanto is the latest Disney animated movie. I can't remember if it might be the 60th. I might have read that it is the 60th animated Disney film. I'll double check it while you chit chat. It is about a young Colombian girl who has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. This film stars the voice talents of Stephanie Beatriz, John Leguizamo, Jessica Darrow, Carolina Gaton, Vilmar Valderrama, and Diane Guerrero, among others. Jenna, I didn't necessarily have any expectations going into this film. I barely even knew what it was about. Maybe I'd seen the trailer once, but... Between the two of us, I'm the one that's been going through the history of Disney movies, still chipping away at the animated films. I got heavily burned out, and especially with the live-action movies, but I'm chipping away. I'm in the 2000s. However, as far as I'm concerned, things really got back on track with Disney Animated Studios in 2008 with Bolt, and that train has been chugging along pretty steadily since without making a single mistake or forgettable film. What are your thoughts? Do you think that Encanto continues that streak? Do you even disagree with my thesis in the first place? And regardless, what do you think is good about Encanto? So I don't know all, I don't know the whole list from Bolt till now. So I can't really comment if they've messed up. Would you like me to tell you? Because I can. Okay. (laughs) Go for it. Okay. So really quickly, Bolt, Princess and the Frog, Tangled. Mm. Oh, shit. I just blanked on it. So Tangled, there's Wreck-It Ralph is in there. There's uh, Frozen. I know Frozen's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wreck-It Ralph 2, Moana, uh, Frozen 2, Big Hero 6 is what I'm forgetting. Okay. Yeah, and I, Zootopia. Oh God, I love Zootopia. Yeah, so it's a little bit jumbled, but that's most of what came out. I think they're they're pretty steady between Bolt and before Encanto. I'm not a huge fan of sequels with Disney because it's just so much pressure. Hmm. I feel like you need to say everything you want to say in the first one, and then if you want. How I view it is, okay, go and have a TV show. So something like Lilo and Stitch. I I love Lilo and Stitch, and I feel like there's more stories you can have there, but go and have a little TV show or a miniseries or whatever. You know, you can do better. I had heard about Encanto from uh, a couple of my Colombian friends who I met through au pairing. And they were sharing how, on, on social media, they were sharing how excited they were and how, how it made them feel in being seen and represented. And I was very excited for them. And then I saw the trailer. And I was very curious to see how it was going to go. And then, you know, you see that it's, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda is somewhat involved. Well, is involved. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I feel like if he's involved in a project, it's it's probably going to be really good, you know, if not phenomenal. I think Moana, Tangled, and yeah, Moana and Tangled and Zootopia are my favorites mm. out of that little series we've just mentioned. And I think this Encanto hits that mark too. I was very pleased with it. I was very happy watching it. I cried a bit. I I was impressed. I I did forget Winnie the Pooh was in 2011. That's what tripped mm. me up. And Raya and the Last Dragon, oh. of course, came out, I think, earlier this year. Yeah. You know, I like Raya and the Last Dragon, but I think I like Encanto more. Mm. So I think... That Encanto is a great experience. I think it's a really good movie that is a great experience. I think this film is just short of greatness. And there's a couple reasons why I'll get into a little bit later. This film is set in Colombia. This is a completely different type of story than what we have seen before. This is about a magical family, a family that has essentially at some point in their life, they each get gifted some abilities and one hasn't. And that that person ends up being the one who has to save the family from losing their their magic. And this family is an important aspect of the of, of its community. We really haven't seen very many Latin American stories in Disney's oeuvre. We have Emperor's New Groove. Oh, yeah. And what else? Well, I mean, there's the does, Saludos Amigos well, and the Three Caballeros. Say, yeah. Does that count? In this, in a way, in the mm-hmm. sense that it's literally trying to expose the Americans to those cultures. But in terms of actually telling a story about yeah. the, the, the then people. Then we just got Emperor's New Groove. Which to me is not good uh, and not a good thing. Like I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not making a value statement on emperor's new groove, but in terms of actually reflecting the culture, that's not the kind of movie you go to, to learn more or get a better understanding of a group of people. Right. Mm. So this does though, this is essentially like the Moana and the Raya of, of Columbia. Both of all of which, by the way, happen to be centered on a female protagonist. How about that? And also, what I didn't expect is this kind of gets a little bit back into the Disney musical thing. Raya was much more of a straightforward adventure, mm-hmm. right? It was, it was nice. It was a nice break. This is musical, and of course, you know, Lin, with Lin Manuel Miranda being involved, of course, it is. But it's less music than Moana. It is. It was a. It was an look. I love all the music in Moana, but this yeah. was nice because it was like I think they there were three songs. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I was, am I, so we must be right because I was going to check myself. Was I? Was that only three songs? That's what I remember. Yeah, and then you know, some uh, someone else is singing. You know, so there's like four songs, but three are performed by the cast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's... there's oh, you're talking about ni- uh, diegetic versus non-diegetic music? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so you're right. Moana is much more of a musical, a traditional musical, uh, than this film is. But this film is uh, absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's very well voice acted. Uh, there is a matriarch character in this film, and I was like so sure I knew who that was. The character is Abuela Alma. The voice actress is Maria Cecilia Botero. And I ended up being completely wrong because I thought the actress who played Abuela in In the Heights performed that character. In fact, though, that actress performed that character's scening. Mm. Either way... That is a great character, very well performed. But here's what I'm very excited about. I'm very excited about this main character. <laughs> yes. Whose name One of your is favorites. Mirabelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, great character, very smart, very bookish. She's very insecure about her place and her family, though. She has very real and, I think, relatable internal issues Mm. in terms of how she fits or like you know just insecurities but i was very excited to learn after the fact that that character is voiced by stephanie beatrice now Mm -hmm. stephanie beatrice is someone i know primarily from brooklyn 99 she plays the the tough cop chick right she also has a, a, a a a very supporting role which i talked a lot about in in the heights very different character. Very different character in this film as well. All three characters, very different. In fact, you can actually find online, I think she did a podcast interview where she talked about her vocal coach oh, cool. um, who's helped her through these different roles mm. and stuff. I'm sure that's a very intriguing listen. But I'm very excited about Stephanie Beatrice being able to step forward here and get these more prominent roles and be able to really kind of prove herself and be better known because I think she's fantastic and I think she does a great job here. What did you think of the songs in this film? Maybe this is a segue to the bad. I don't know, but did you find them memorable? Look, they're not, they're not repeating them. So I'm going to keep comparing to Moana In Moana, we have, we know the way I know the way and there's different, different variants of it, right? They sing it about, it gets sung about a total of four or five times and Mm. it's a little different depending on the situation. And that's a lovely musical tool. Over here though, we're, we're not getting, basically each sister has a song and, uh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind of nice because it's. It's all about Mirabelle connecting with her sisters and trying to get her her insecurities, you know, leveled out. Because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's sing- singing with her sisters when she approaches each one and brings up an issue that they're not addressing because they're just trying to... Trying to improve a situation, basically. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that that was a really good use of music as well, but for the life of me, I I don't remember the words and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the or the sound. melody even yeah and but i can see the visuals i can see the mm-hmm. you know uh, what how they used visuals in the in the musical number yeah see i think 
that this is an example of this this film being a great experience. The songs are a great experience. The musical numbers are a great experience. But this is not Be Our Guest. This is not Friend Like Me. This is not Bare Necessities. These songs don't, at this point, stick with you on initial viewing. So you're saying that's that's a problem with the film? I do think that that... As a Disney film, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, if you're going to compare the Miranda songbooks, I think Moana's songbooks, mm. or Moana's songbook is much stronger and memorable. I mean, like, there's particular songs on Moana that were earworms that were would get stuck yeah, in like our head. Yeah, like, so shiny and... Yes, yes, uh, yes, exactly, yes. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, you're yes. welcome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you. and I don't think this movie has that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a minor issue, I think. I don't I don't see it as an issue. It's not a flaw for you? It's not. I, I don't need every Disney film to be a musical. I really don't. And if you're going to have three songs plus another one, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I look. I mean, these Princess are... and the Frog wasn't incredibly memorable. Uh, I've got friends on the other side, and and then the well, and there's also the Swamp Song. Oh, see, okay, I completely forgot yeah. about the Swamp Song. Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm totally fine with it. I prefer what I I like the songs, but I prefer what's going on beyond the songs. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. There's something else I want to talk about, but it is more specific to the story in the second half of the film. But in terms of issues, there is something else that is very spoilery I want to talk about. Okay. But I will say, broadly, when you think about this film and what happens in it, it's a little thin. It's a little bit of a thin story. That's not how I feel at all. You think this is a... Like, there's a lot going on in this film? I think this is more well put together than Frozen. Yes, but that is a different thing from what I'm, I'm okay. suggesting. What are you suggesting? I think, yes, this is a better experience, although Frozen had at least one memorable song. Honey, <clears throat> we don't need to talk about that goddamn memorable song. I'm just saying. That actually gets referenced in Encanto. There you go. Just saying. More memorable. But I, I just feel like when you sum up everything that this movie is doing and what it's about, it's a little thin. It's a little, it, it's a little bite size. It's a little quick. You God know. damn it! Now let it go. Stuck in my head. I. I didn't. You even know say what? It. I'm fine with no earworm. I'm fine. <laughs> For this being an hour forty two minutes, I'm sure at least ten of that is actually credits. That tends mm. to be the the case. So let's say ninety minute uh, movie. You know, it it's a, it goes by pretty quickly, and it, I think I might have even been like in my, when I was experiencing it, experiencing it while I was loving the experience. I might have been like, "Oh, this is almost over, huh? All right." So that, that you know, there's just a little bit of that. It's not it's not a huge deal, okay. but it is just when I reflect on it, it's it's a thing. It's a little thing. It's a thing. You know, okay. we're not we're not talking Emperor's New Groove then. I mean, that's a trifle. <laughs> they had a song too. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a trifle. That movie. 
This is, this is one reason why I think like this is a really good film, but just short of greatness. Okay, I disagree. I think there's a lot to chew on in this film, and we can talk about it in spoilers. I think there's a lot of family dynamics happening here, and I think there that is. that's important to look at, and I think that this film does it best compared to others. What I would... think Brave touches on it oh. because it's just it's just the mom and the daughter. It's yeah. not including the the trip that bought the brothers it's not including the dad really yeah. but yeah what do they do they make it multi-generational family issues and challenges yes so i think that i commend this film for for dealing with that well let's move into spoilers mm. talk a little bit more about the movie i don't have a whole lot just a couple things it sounds like you definitely agree the good outweighs the bad Maybe even more so than I do in this. Yeah, film. I think I like this film more than you. What's your score? I was going to. You, 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 you like it less, so you get to go first. All right, I, I give the film a seven out of ten. Okay, I give it an eight. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> All right, so from here on out, we're going to go into spoilers for Encanto. If you haven't been able to see Encanto yet, skip ahead to the next review in the show notes. Look at the timestamp there. If you have seen Encanto, maybe you saw it over the holiday weekend, what have you, come join along with us and listen to the rest of our thoughts on this film because we're starting spoilers for Disney's Encanto now. Okay, so spoilers for Encanto. There's only one or two things that I wanted to speak to. Let's start with the, the positive. And that is what Maribel's place in her family is. Yeah. Which is, you know, we learn through a, a secret character, a secret sort of ostracized family member, Bruno, who's voiced by John Leguizamo. Very exciting. His gift was essentially like a, a form of, not prophecy, what is it? Uh, clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. A form of clairvoyance. But... It's it's never a complete picture. He never gets like a, a very detailed vision. And with Maribel, he well, I think maybe on the night that he got his gift, he saw a vision of Maribel in front of the house. And it's like it's a, a vision that it's one that changes when you look at it a certain way. One, vi- yeah, it's one, like one vision. of those hologram things. Yeah, one direction, it looks like the house is whole. Another direction, it looks like the house is broken apart. And it turns out, like, Maribel is supposed to make the house whole. You think it's the other way around, that Maribel is the cause for the the house's destruction and, the, the you know, everything coming apart. And the story definitely wants you to think that that's a possibility in certain plot developments. But it turns out like Maribel's gift or her fate or whatever you want to call it is that she's what helps make the house whole and, and, and repairs the house and saves the family. Which I thought was uh, kind of cool. You know, that that idea of... I know it's kind of playing on a typical trope of things not looking how you think or not being how they look or whatever. But I, I thought that was fairly interesting. I thought the Bruno character was interesting and fun as well. Did you have any thoughts about this? Yes. I 
I agree with you. I thought the Bruno character was great. I, I liked that there was this family member that was kind of ostracized and uh, got to come back into the fold. And that's why that was Mirabelle's purpose was to bring the family back together and for the families to family members to start speaking their truth to each other about I don't want to be perfect or I can't take everything on. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that she was responsible for making everyone speak their truth and bringing everyone together regardless of what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I enjoyed the characters. I also enjoyed the, the, the small cousin, the youngest cousin. Oh, who, who, who just got, got his gift. He got his gift yeah. and that worked out. Talking to animals. That was just, oh my gosh, the way he's animated is just the sweetest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cute. So let's talk about the magic in this in this movie because that was one of my biggest issues with the film. I'm sorry. Your biggest issues with the film was the, 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 a big part of the story. Yeah. Let me explain if I can. Okay. Go for it. So it's not that there is magic. It's not what happens with the magic. It's how the magic happens in the first place. And, Oh yes how what happens in the end because okay it's never really explained how it's possible it's you know something happens with abuelo's husband i I don't know what his name is but Mm -hmm. he he gets killed when they are fleeing from their home yes which i know you want to talk about a little Mm -hmm. bit more in, in a second here but the second he dies a, a candle is created or something and like from that candle comes all these this magic and powers and abilities and it, it's so look with like beauty and the beast you understand the the power of the rose you understand the petals and and what happens you understand how the curse in in the uh, beauty and the beast works and how it happened in the first place this is a little less clear and and it's not they're not explaining it it doesn't to the point where it it, like they gloss over it right the experience is so good they're hoping you'll gloss right over and you won't really think about it but it doesn't really like make sense as to how it happens in the first place and then there's so much importance put on this candle as the source of the powers. But in the end, when everything comes back, there's no candle. I thought there was. No, the, the candle's not a factor. And so that's that's the only thing that held the movie back, really, for me, of being a great film, is its own internal logic doesn't quite work. The, the thing that everything is dependent on, how that thing happens in the first place, doesn't quite make sense. Um, you know, I know that they, they, they do spend a line or two talking about it, but it's very brief and it's very fast and they move very quickly through the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have time to process it. It's not like a slow thing like... Beauty yeah. and the Beast, you know, and right. that gets re- repeatedly visited, which I'm okay with. I'm like, I don't need 
you know, we see the song. It's it's a bit of an abstracted piece of magic because we see, you know, Abuela and her husband with the triplets fleeing from their home. And then he is killed in front of her and the triplets. And it's like the tears and the loss of this life that could have happened and the sacrifice all takes physical form in this candle so I'm fine with the creation of the candle and then you know through that they were able to create a place where you know basically nothing bad can get to them like no bad guys can get to them and I was fine with that too we all went and you know a safe place and then when you know the candle goes away like the barrier is broken so I could have sworn the candle comes back, but maybe what happens is Mirabelle is holding the candle on the front door that gets created. I don't know. We only saw the movie once, but this was something that stood out to me. Okay. Uh, I remember making a huge note in my head about is uh, there's a lot of importance put on this candle, but the, the, the remaking of the house, the magic in the house... How the house is able to, La Casa is able to live and breathe. It, it's its source is not a factor in the end. So you're able to go along with it. For me, it's 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 a it's it's a writing issue. It's a sticking point. It's just enough to uh, hold the movie back from being a great film. I mean, I I just watched Brother Bear, and okay. Brother Bear. Its magic is there's the northern lights, and when the northern lights hits the mountain, things can happen. You know, and that makes more sense. Why, than... are, you, why are you talking like that? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't but... even make sense. You're mixing all sorts of worlds here. <laughs> You're right, but that that makes more sense. My voice changing makes more sense than That's the house actually... <laughs> of <laughs> of of this candle. Okay. Okay. Fine. I think it's a it's a more abstracted film. I I think that they are expecting you to understand, and I'm fine with it because you know, for all we know, maybe those of Colombian descent of the Colombian culture, maybe it's clear as daylight to them because maybe it had it holds cultural significance. I don't know. And I just looked up briefly, like, does the candle come back on Google? And there's a bunch of things that are explaining what actually happened so there's a lot in this film that you can interpret and i'm okay with a film that you can interpret well i i am too i'm just saying and i've already said okay. what i'm saying okay you said what you said and i now said we're what on. i said we're gonna move on <laughs> uh, what what did you want to talk about in spoilers well i mean i already i i already really talked about it i mean i cried when they had to flee their home. I mean, that is, I, I'm so glad that Disney is bringing that in to the fold because it's it's not just in Colombia that that happens. It happens all around the world. It especially happens along the Afri- around the African continent. I mean, people from Zimbabwe were fleeing into South Africa and then, you know, people from South Africa sometimes were fleeing into Namibia. So, well, and, and this film doesn't feel like it needs to go into detail and explain yeah. the context there. You just kind of feel like, oh, there's something I don't know about Colombian history. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> you, know? you know, and it could be a particular date being referenced. It or could be a particular incident. A group but of people. It, yeah. it could just be, here's what happens. 
And his anyway. silhouette, the whole thing. It was very well done. We didn't yeah. see the bad guy's faces. Right. It, it, we, we just saw the machete thing. Mm-hmm. And and that that's all you needed. And, and they didn't the even crime. do they didn't even do this thing where like you see Abuela looking and horror off camera, and there's shadows cast near Abuela that shows her husband being killed or anything like that. You know, that. honey, that might have been a little vicious for a Disney film. Well, I mean, it's not. It's actually not out of the ordinary for them i mean like uh, i mean i guess scar Mickey. when scar dies oh. you just see his the shadows of him being attacked right well, he full, full on kills mufasa so I don't i'm know. just saying like yeah. this it's not outside there's it's not like there's no pre- precedent for okay. disney to do that sort of thing and they didn't feel necessary to do that either and that that's kind of interesting as well i really like this film <laughs> i that's all i can say Okay, and yeah, I don't have anything else uh, to say about it either. Again, despite my minor criticisms, I did really enjoy this film. I don't know. I felt like it's been a while since I felt this feeling of enjoyment and fun from a Disney movie, partially probably because I'm going through the early 2000s, which is really rough terrain. But also, I think, like, we weren't the biggest fans of Frozen 2. Oh, no. I mean, there were one or two good things about it that, you know, was good for Disney to depict in film. But other than that, I was like, why? So. Right. And and that was, what, like, how long ago was that? That was two years ago? Mm. Feels like forever. But uh, that was two years ago. Raya is not this kind of a movie where you have this kind of an experience that's just joyful and beautiful. Raya and... is like a thriller action. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's been a while. It's been a while. So it was it was a nice experience to have, a nice feeling to to have again from a Disney movie. So that's Encanto. Those are our thoughts on that film. Moving on to the last review of the episode, our review of Ridley Scott's House of Gucci. It was a name that sounded so sweet, so seductive. Synonymous with words, style, power. But that name was a curse too. I've been a Gucci all my life. Your name is in the history books. Paolo, you are Gucci. You need to dress the part. It's chic. Gucci needs new blood. It's time to take out the trash. They're my family. So am I. You picked a real firecracker. She's a handful. Bravo.
don't consider myself to be a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. Can you keep a secret? Father, son, and house of Gucci. So that was from the trailer to House of Gucci, directed by Ridley Scott. The description of this film is when Patrizia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. This two and a half hour plus long film Stars Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, Jared Leto, Jack Houston, Salma Hayek. So, Shanna, this is the second film in, I think, as many months directed by Ridley Scott. I don't know which one it was. One, either this or the last duel was originally supposed to come out in 2020. Thanks to the pandemic, both came out within months of each other. You were quite the fan of The Last Duel. I thought that film was quite a big surprise because I'm fairly lukewarm to Ridley Scott's work the past 25, 30 years. I'm curious, did you enjoy House of Gucci as much as you enjoyed the last duel because we were both excited about this film watching the trailer and regardless what was good about house of gucci the house of gucci was just one of those you know fun films Mm. it's not like a comedy or anything it's just one of those like oh what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next yes i would like to skinner aka gossip Uh you know and hear the tea spill but I think I liked Lost Duel more because it just it was it 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 was so much more refined okay. and had so much more to say with so so much less drama and acting mm. if that makes sense. Like I think this is de- House of Gucci is definitely one of those movies where we're like okay we're going to get all these big stars and we're going to make it look fabulous in Hollywood and I I think that's what they did with house of gucci and and that's okay that's fine but i very much prefer the last duel with the house of gucci though i it's really watching adam driver and lady gaga is amazing hmm. i guess adam driver was in the last duel too yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah so it's kind of nice that he's in both and i liked him in both but i like this one because he became the well He's a really great actor, so he can become whatever character he needs to be. And, of course, getting another opportunity to watch Lady Gaga on, on in a movie is great. I hope she has other stuff coming mm. because I think she's a great actress as well. She's just such a big presence, you know, on the screen. What did you think of the film? Well, I, if you would have asked me a couple months back... Which movie I thought was going to be more interesting and more enjoyable. Which movie I was going to like more overall. I would have said House of Gucci because Hmm. watching the trailer of House of Gucci, it was the first Ridley Scott film I had been excited about 
in a very long time. There's really Scott films that I've liked. The Martian is actually one of my favorite movies of that year. But ahead of time, in terms of like actually looking forward to and being excited about, House of Gucci is a first. But I did actually think that The Last Duel has much more going on with it. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. It is a better film. Yeah. As far as what was good about House of Gucci, before we get into anything else, I, I, I think Lady Gaga, first of all, is fantastic and i i love her in this film i loved her in a star is born i do want to see her do more dramatic work more acting but i also think that everyone across the board in this film gave really cool performances i didn't know that jeremy irons was in the movie and that was a really nice surprise, and I really liked him. In this I film. really love how Jared Leto transformed. Well, Jared Leto, I was going to get to him as okay. Paolo. Yes. Wow, he was awesome. Yes, unrecognizable and under Al all the makeup. As... Well, hold on. Let's stay oh, on uh-huh. Jared Leto. Hold on a second. Unrecognizable in all that makeup, but his mannerisms. Mm. I, you know, he's got a lot of criticism for the manner of speech you know making them sound like mario from the video game mario brothers in terms of how he you know his his italian accent but really what impressed me was this guy feels all the time (laughs) you said it just like him (laughs) he he's always he it seems like he's always being hurt he's always looked at as the disappointment he's looked at as the no talent Mm. he's he's called a hack at one point in the film he he's got nothing to offer and yet he feels all the time this guy has his heart on his sleeve he just wants to be loved he wants to be appreciated he wants to not be a disappointment and the way he emotes that <laughs> is really impressive. I mean, if you think about all the different roles that Jared Leto has played, this guy is not like any of them. And so I think, you know, Jared Leto gets a lot of crap these days. I think particularly because of the Joker era. But this is a really good reminder that no matter what you think about his manner of speech, his his, his uh, accent in this film, the guy is incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you had anything else to add about Jared Leto in this film, but it, I really think that it was worth taking a couple moments and recognizing and, and praising him. Well, you wanted to talk about Al Pacino. Yeah, I I didn't realize it was Al Pacino until much later, and that was pretty... Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> wow, I'm surprised, because he's not, like, covered in makeup or anything. Well, he also doesn't look like the Al Pacino I knew, so... Oh, okay. Gotcha. Like the young Al Pacino? 
Well, I'm not saying that I needed to see him as a spring chicken. I'm just saying I didn't recognize him. Hmm. And it's it's not a bad thing. I just I felt like I was seeing a completely different person. So he did his job. Good job. Well, he, he is great in this film as well. I don't think he necessarily goes really big until one scene late in the film when he's really pissed off. Understandably, <laughs> right? Yeah. But he's great. Jeremy Irons, Jared Leto, Lady Gaga, all of them are fantastic in this. And then there's Adam Driver, who I don't think is is bad, but it's to me it's like, wow, like he's vanilla compared to everyone else. Oh, I didn't feel that way. Really? I just felt like he was playing this guy that wasn't very assertive. And that when he was assertive, found his assertiveness, it seemed like he was a bad guy. Oh, you thought so? Really? We'll have to talk about that in spoilers. That's interesting. What else did you think was good about House of Gucci? Salma Hayek. That was exciting. What What was it about her that you thought was good? I thought it was hilarious that she was this... It's not a, it's not a fortune teller. It's a psychic? Medium? Well, no. you know, what is it? She, she is like this infomercial psychic yes I, I had a lot of fun watching that so i enjoyed watching her i think it's great to see her on screen what did you think was bad about house of gucci what were its weaknesses or flaws unfortunately it's been a while since we watched the film and so i can't really recall any issues that i had with the film the only thing that concerns me is i don't know enough about the real story so did 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 hollywood totally hollywood the bejesus out of these these real people and turn them into caricatures i don't know because i don't know what the real story was do you feel like it does sound i mean if Look, this was a really fun film. Uh, it was a ride. And the the performances were all so fabulous. But I do think that maybe it's a bit of a, a fashion shoot. You know, you do a headshot shoot and there's some authenticity that can happen there. And then you do a fashion shoot and it's just, it's all pure fantasy uh, based on something real that's inspiring it. So I, it's a bit of a photography thing, that uh, jargon that I'm talking about. But... I feel like that's on me and I don't really know if the film overdid the characters or portrayed them in an authentic way because it really did feel like it was all just go, 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 Hollywood, glam it up. Well, I mean, you know? we are talking about the Gucci's and we are talking sure. about the fashion world. Sure, so. but, is, but my, I guess my question is, is that really what it was like or was that an excuse to... Hollywood dies, these these real people. You had mentioned caricatures. Do you feel like these are caricatures rather than characters? I think at certain points. Like hmm. at certain points in their, their arc or the, the story, like much later. Hmm. Well, I, I feel like some of the answers to your questions are probably easily done through research since this wasn't that long ago. This is like 30 years ago, maybe that this took place. I am curious myself what Paulo was like. Unfortunately, he died in the mid nineties. I don't know if any interview footage exists out there of him, but I would be interested in seeing it 
to compare to Jared Leto's portrayal of him. You got to think that it's got to be based on something real, right? But for me, I have a couple things. First of all, you know, this is two and a half hours plus. Do you feel like it needed to be as long as it was? Do you feel like it it kind of really dragged it out? Uh, you know, this is a, a film about family drama and connivingness. So I, I guess they needed that amount of time. Mm. Given its subject matter and it, it was a, a deterioration of a relationship with several. Mm. So I, I guess it's fine. Um, and they kept things moving and things were dramatic and shiny and pretty to look at. So I will say to that last point you made uh, that it does seem to lose focus in the second half. It seems to be really focused on Patrizio at first, primarily. And then I feel like... It's trying to juggle the other members of the family and what what their stories are that it loses a little bit of focus in the process. And I as such, it lacks the sharpness and the punch, I think, that it's aiming for when we get to the end of this story. Yeah, I feel like. You know, because it's, it's one of those films that starts with the end. Something that happens at the end and then it goes backwards. Yeah. And meets back up at that point and then goes a little further. I feel like the, the little further was rushed. Like, mm. it, it wasn't satisfying to me. It was kind of just like... There? Yeah. Mm. It, it was just like a takeover and then we're in court, you know? Mm. So... I guess it's really Patricia's story. It's about the Gucci's, but it's really about Patricia. So well, that's what I was just saying. I thought in the first half, but it it kind of veered away from that yeah. for in the second half, and and you know part of the reason why I think it loses I its focus. It's because we're not seeing Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't know. It kind of hits this weird place of a flying off the handle, but it's also kind of like it's also kind of mimicking Patricia after her and Maurizio got separated. Hmm. Well, let's come back to this because I have a question regarding her. In spoilers, do you have anything else you want to address before we move on to spoilers? I don't think so. I do think this is like one of my favorite trailers because just seeing the trailer to this. Yeah. yeah. Just seeing Lady Gaga in this like red. Is it a, it's not a poncho. It's a parka, right? It's a red parka and she's stirring her espresso or whatever it is. And oh, she's like the snow jacket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a, an ethical person, but I am fair. I'm like, holy shit, what's going to happen? Mm. So I feel like it's one of the best trailers. Yeah. Okay, so does the good outweigh the bad? And what do you score the film? Oh, absolutely. Like, all the technical stuff is really great. It's just, it's not, it's not my favorite. And if I especially compare it to The Duel, I'd rather get The Duel. Mm-hmm. I would probably rate it a 7. Really? Okay, we're on the same 
wavelength as far as that goes. I give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, maybe slightly different reasons for it, but um, didn't quite live up to my expectations based on that trailer that you mentioned. Uh, but we're going to talk about spoilers just for a little bit, finish up this episode here. If you haven't seen the film and uh, you want to hear what's coming up in the next episode of The Movie Lover, skip ahead in the show notes to the timestamp. Otherwise, we're going to finish up by talking spoilers for The House of Gucci starting now. So what did you want to discuss that... You know, because I always feel like if it's a real life thing, nothing is spoilery. But yeah. I guess if you don't know the story, it, it kind of is. Well, and that was the case for me. For absolutely, I knew. We both actually said to each other as the movie was about to begin, "I know nothing <laughs> about this." It was a funny little commentary that we had before it started. Well, it's like, yeah. oh shit, we're going in here knowing absolutely nothing. And I and I I like that. It was fun. You know, I, I liked not really knowing. This is a whole different world for me, and I didn't know anything about the Gucci's at all. I didn't know even what the state of Gucci is today as a result of what this story, what this film tells. Mm. But what I wanted to ask you is, and it maybe you kind of answered earlier, maybe not. Were you on Patricia's side the entire film? Were you, like, with her? Did you feel like she was the protagonist of the movie? What What were your thoughts about Patrizio, Patrizia? Patrizia, sorry, uh, through the film? Did you sympathize with her? I think I was more on Maurizio's side. Okay. Than, well, like, Patrizia, I wanted her to, to have a good life, obviously, and I, I wanted things to work out well enough for her. But when I saw Maurizio go to his father and say, I'm going to marry this woman and these are your demons, mm -hmm. this is your past Ghost shit, of, yeah. you know, like this is this has got nothing to do with me. I'm going to make my own life. Yeah. You know, that's it's it's interesting because this is happening at what age 25 and not age 16. <laughs> so mm. I thought that that was interesting. And when he said that to his father, I was I was kind of on his side because I felt like, you know, our parents aren't always right about everything, but they're usually right about a lot of it, hmm. you know, if they're present in your life and they've had a lot of experiences. And so when he had made this, when his father had made this accusation that Patrizia was just after the name and the, the gold. Basically being a gold digger. Yeah. Yes think he was necessarily wrong i didn't think he was necessarily right i felt like it was a time thing like it would come later and so i was uh -huh. definitely on Maurizio's side and and every now and again, i wanted the two of them to balance each other out i think is what i wanted like i wanted them to meet halfway but they didn't they were definitely going in different directions the father and the son no the Maurizio and patricia oh okay and so by the end of the movie, what were your thoughts of, let's say, in the third act of Patrizia? Well, well, whose side were you on? Well, I, this is a question I had. It was like, who's supposed to have our sympathies? Because the film in the first half seems so much to be about Patricia. And I was really kind of like wondering, like, you know, and she seems 
I, I agree with you when it comes to the Jeremy Irons paternal character. I didn't see what he saw. I didn't see Patricia as a gold digger. I, I, I thought, and if this isn't the case, then the movie failed to convey it accurately. I thought Patricia actually liked Maurizio, and, and, and I thought that their yeah. relationship was genuine. But at some point, it does seem to take a turn where she all of a sudden becomes more overbearing and more frustrated with Maurizio about the business and the family. It, it, the first half, she seems supportive. She seems more interested in Maurizio being connected to his family and making amends with his family. And then once they have... She suddenly seems to take a turn. Well, where... we never see her family again. That's true. <laughs> That's true, too. And we don't know what, like, her relationship was with her family. If Yeah, I, I, I do feel like maybe there's some issues with how the how it the film is written, how the script is written in terms of, like, okay, well, she's she makes a point to, like, make sure she runs into Maurizio at one point. Yeah. Is that because she knows who he is and she's interested in his fortune? Or is it because she really liked him huh. and she wanted to make sure they met again? The movie isn't very clear about that as I much guess. as it is other things later on. Like, it does turn Patrizia, to me, it turns, like, I, I feel like Maurizio is absolutely justified in his frustration with her and growing more distant with her in the second half. And I think like she does go too far. And I understand like when he has an explosive moment, I understand it because I don't think she's necessarily in the right at that point, but she's also a very different person at that point than she is in the beginning of the film, it seems. And I'm not sure that it's developed well enough to see that progression. I guess so. I, I guess I agree with you. I just figured she just liked him. But now that I think about it just a little bit more, I guess that's not necessarily the case. It's not clear, is it? Yeah. And honestly, it could be that, oh, she, she liked it. I mean, he's a handsome fellow, you know? Yeah. And she wanted to see him again. It's not like she she knows if she has anything in common with him. She finds him, I think, at a, like a textbook store or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She yes, eventually yes, yes, and she doesn't read. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know. And he's studying for law. Yeah, so it's yeah. like two. I'm not saying that lawyers can't be with people who don't like to read. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, no, no. You're illustrating the two different people, and it, it does make it a little muddy, a little unclear, yeah. like. But you can be physically attracted to someone and want to be in their life and want want to know them more. That's fine. Absolutely. But uh, I guess there there aren't other views that um there isn't a commonality established, which well, you know maybe there wasn't. You know. Maybe I just I felt like things were definitely one way, but then when I reflect and see the whole, the rest of the film. I recognize that things are a little, in terms of her development and her motivations, it's a little muddier than it should be. And I don't, 
yeah, I, I feel like it could have been much sharper. I think that's a that's that is a common criticism I have of this film is there's elements that could have been sharper. Yeah, I I think I agree with you on that. Was there anything that you wanted to speak to in the film? Although I, I know you just questioned me about what could you possibly have to talk about in spoilers about this biopic. But was there anything that comes to mind that you wanted to talk a little bit more about? I think um, languages. Maurizio, something gets said where Maurizio has experience with a couple different languages, which isn't uncommon if you if you grow up in a European country. Mm. And I was just hoping that that would pay off later, like uh, when the people from... The Iraqis? Is it Iraqis? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So when they, when those, when the Iraqi business people come over to make a deal and essentially buy out Maurizio, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure they were speaking Arabic, yeah. but I could be wrong. No, and- they were definitely speaking a native tongue for them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and I thought that. I thought that that was going to pay off. I thought that, surprise, motherfuckers, I grew up in Europe, but I learned Arabic. Right. I thought that that was going to pan out, but it didn't. And that would have been fun for me. So I guess that's one fault I have with it that I can think of. And then I think I, I, I agree with you. It's not certain things could have been clearer. Okay, so I think that about does it for our thoughts on House of Gucci. And that does it for this episode of three main reviews, us trying to catch up on things, essentially. The timing, the reason why we even did this episode is because usually there's one or two things for us to choose from in a particular weekend in between episodes for us to review. And this one was like, oh, it feels like there's like more than that that we need to really give some time to and so it didn't feel appropriate to do a traditional episode here and with the film faves and all that but that almost makes me want to segue into what's happening next episode before i do shanna Mm -hmm. let's talk about where people can find us online let's do that uh, you can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography. And on FlickChart, you can find me as Spellbinding A. Go to thegibsonreview.com for past articles and reviews and episodes of The Movie Lovers. Follow on Facebook.com slash The Gibson Review or Instagram, The Gibson 99 much more active on Instagram. I do bracket polls there, and I have been doing since episode 118 polls on people's favorite film scores. I've been going decade by decade, and I mentioned this in past episodes, and here's what the most recent winners have been. I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode or not, but your favorite 70s film score was The Godfather by Nino Rota. Mm. Favorite 80s film score was Ghostbusters by Elmer Bernstein. Elmer Bernstein! And just decided favorite 90s film score was Forrest Gump by Alan Silvestri. That's a pretty good choice. At time of recording, we're in the middle, or I should say we're about to start the 2000s. 
We'll do the 2010s, and then we'll have a big overall 64-seed bracket of film scores that will include the past winners of these mini-polls. You know, November was my birthday month, and we had a little bit of a giveaway mm-hmm. on there. And I just wanted to announce here that the winner of the of last month's giveaway, which basically she won a Blu-ray of Jaws, was uh, Tamara of Tamara underscore two 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 underscore on instagram so congratulations tomorrow she her she should be receiving her prize soon and you can also find me on flick chart the gibson 99 we both need to really find some time to update our flick charts especially with everything we've been watching this year all right so next time on the movie lovers shanna this is our penultimate episode of the year Mm. something we do every year which is our roundup episode. This is when we round up as many movies as we possibly can, usually up to upwards of 10, and review, do like 10-minute reviews of several films in one episode. And maybe if there's some extras, we do a lightning round, do you like it, do you not sort of thing. Uh, Just uh, our attempt to try to catch up with all the stuff that gets dumped and other things that we didn't catch throughout the year as well so look for that the 2021 roundup episode on tuesday december 21st so it'll be a nice little holiday treat for you yeah in the meantime keep loving the movies this is jeff and shanna saying bye-bye i feel like if lin-manuel oh jesus christ it's min-manuel Miranda.